Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Priest of Copper Beach Financial Group. Gentlemen, how are you today? Eric, doing great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Oh man, it's so good to hear your guys' voices. I know it's it's been a few weeks since we connected and yeah. uh, you've got a special guest on the show, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And it's Andy Sheckman. I, I've never met Andy before. Um, why'd you bring Andy on the show? Well, we brought Andy on the show today as uh, an expert in precious metals, uh, precious metal investments and gold and silver. And actually, uh, Andy was a guest at our most recent family office symposium. That's right. I remember you talking about yep. that. And so he spoke to all of our families. And I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of what he talked about at that symposium here today. Uh, but before uh, we can dig into that, Andy, uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. And, and can you give our audience maybe a little bit of your background and bio and history? Absolutely. Well, first of all, it's good to be here. It was great to be at the symposium uh, in Arizona. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, nice to get to meet the both of you in person and, and your fantastic families. And uh, it, it was just a pleasure. So thanks for having you, me back. You scared me, Andy. Andy, yeah, you, I, you know them. what? So I, I think that there's a fine line these days between <laughs> pessimism and realism, and I sometimes uh, have a, a bad habit of doing that. Uh, the fact that I was invited back means I must not have scared him too much. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, um, just a little bit about uh, Miles Franklin and myself. Uh, I'm the owner of, of the company. We've been in business. My father and I started the company together in 1989, uh, 31 years ago. Uh, we've done over $6 billion in transactions over the last 31 years without ever registering a single customer complaint. Uh, so certainly something we're most proud of. Uh, we are one of only 27 authorized United States Mint representatives, probably the crowning achievement of my career. Uh, we deal directly with the U.S. Mint as a result, and um, it's something that... Uh, something that I hold very close to my heart. Uh, we've never had a, um, a complaint ever uh, with the Better Business Bureau, uh, 31 years of being A-plus rated. We have worldwide exclusives with Brinks in terms of storage programs. These accolades, these accomplishments, which mean so much to me, the state of Minnesota really doesn't care too much about. And um, <laughs> I, I moved from the state of Minnesota six months ago to uh, Delray Beach, Florida, where we've had an office for a decade, a satellite office, but our corporate entity is in the state of Minnesota. And I chose to leave it there uh, because the state of Minnesota is the only state in the country that doesn't care about accolades and reputation. They only care about uh, licensing and bonding and uh, the accreditation that comes with that. Uh, the state of Minnesota is the only state in the United States in what is a federally non-regulated precious metals industry that mandates licensing and bonding, whether you are domiciled in Minnesota, as our corporate office is, or you are domiciled in any other state in the United States and attempt to sell metals into the state, state of Minnesota, you most certainly better be licensed and bonded with the state of Minnesota. The bonding alone, guys, is what makes just about every single precious metals company online in the United States boycott the state of Minnesota because it is the only state that requires this. And the bonding alone is very invasive. The owners of the company, myself in this case, 
have to personally guarantee uh, 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 you have to post an asset balance sheet and guarantee your assets against the bond. We have a $2 million surety bond that backs all of our transactions. So it's licensing, continuing education, compliance, background checks every single year of everyone in the company, myself included. And if anyone has a felony related to financial services, they are forever disqualified from being in the industry and a bond that has to be posted every single year. So what it really means is, although it is a certainly much more difficult road to navigate than everyone else has to, it certainly holds us to a much higher standard. And uh, perhaps I would argue the highest standard in the industry so that um, anyone who buys precious metals from us not only uh, will hopefully understand our reputation, which I believe to be the best in the industry, but the exclamation point behind that, the state of Minnesota accreditation, which uh, which guarantees that a transaction runs smooth and safe from start to finish. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I remember learning and talking with you for the first time, Andy, and, and hearing all the, the bonding and, and really just getting to understand the sort of the nuances of your industry and the different states and regulations and things like that is uh, it's pretty fascinating. Well, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, Andy, I'm going to jump in here. Um, what we're going to do today, I, I know we only have 30 minutes, but uh, you, you, you had such a dynamic presentation at our conference that as I was kidding a little bit before, but our clients were really enthralled with what you were speaking of, and that is the gold and silver world around us. A lot, of, a lot of our families are asking us questions about that as an asset class because the dollar and because of what's going on around the world. And, and you had some elements of your presentation that I wanted to try to um, review with the audience today. One being, give us a little bit of a, a, a background on the gold and silver industry itself, the metals world. I know it's, I know it's probably, it, it, it's not an easy question to answer, but, but I think you just kind of talk through what it is because a lot of people are confused with what it is. And secondly, what's going on around the world with uh, the silver and gold markets and most certainly with the dollar being a challenge with all the debt structures we have, it seems to be a popular topic these days about maybe diversifying the gold and silver as an asset class. And I love what you talked about at the conference that you don't look at gold and silver as an investment. It's more of an asset you move generationally, which I was fascinated with. So if you could jump in and talk on those three topics, and I'll let you kind of run with it. Yeah, first of all, when I started with my father in 1989, I was 19 years old. I went to the University of Minnesota on a baseball scholarship and tore up my knee. Very disenfranchised young man. Uh, my dad said, let's start a company. Uh, I had been uh, working on my way through a degree in economics, uh, and he said, let's do it. He said, but wait, there'll be only one rule and one rule only, or I'll fire you. Okay, okay, dad. Well, what's that one rule? I can probably deal with just one if that's the how it has to be. He says, well, you'll buy something every two weeks, period, or I'll fire you. Now, my dad is retired, has been for quite some time, but I've honored my promise to him. I don't have to worry about him firing me any longer, but I have continued to honor my word, and that is I have bought something every two weeks for 31 years, religiously without fail. Because to me, it is wealth. I do not look at gold and silver as an investment, albeit they may very well perform as one. But to me, gold and silver represent uh, immutable eternal wealth. 5,000 years, uh, human beings have agreed upon gold and silver uh, as being wealth. And it's from that standpoint that, that I, I base all of my conclusions or decisions or viewpoints on gold and silver as it 
being wealth and, and immutable wealth at that. In terms of your first question regarding the industry, um, you know, it, it's a very straightforward industry in my mind, at least if you get with the right company. And uh, it, it is buying gold and silver and perhaps platinum and palladium. My, my primary focus mostly is, is gold and silver, buying it as, as wealth, not as an investment. Um, investing is done uh, in, in equities, uh, in, in, in the bond market, in real estate, whatnot. There are so many ways to invest. For me, putting money away in gold and silver, albeit some may look at it as an investment and it may perform as one, to me, you're putting away wealth. Um, we are U.S. Mint authorized resellers, which means um, we can sell United States Mint product. The U.S. Mint since 1986 has been producing every year gold and silver and platinum coins. Now, I would argue they're the model of inefficiency these years or these days. They have had a very, very hard time keeping up with demand. But needless to say, there are six major mints in the world. There's the United States, makes the eagle predominantly, the Canadian mint that makes the maple leaf, the Austrian mint that makes the Philharmonic, um, uh, emblematic of the Vienna uh, Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra, Australia, the kangaroo, the United Kingdom, the Britannia, and South Africa, the Krugerrand. Now, there are a few other mints out there, the Chinese mint and a few others, Mexican, but the others don't really amount to much of anything in terms of supply to the industry. Those six primary mints are synonymous, I guess you could say in a very uh, silly way, synonymous with like Pepsi, Coke, Sprite, uh, Dr. Pepper, and 7-Up. They're well-known. You may not like the taste of one over the other, but they all drink the same. Same thing here. It's the same thing. It's just a different design on a, whether you have Queen Elizabeth and a kangaroo on a, on a kangaroo or Lady Liberty and, Amer and an eagle on an American eagle. It's, it's just a different design on a piece of silver or a piece of gold. But those six mints represent immediate liquidity sight unseen globally. Um, now, there are other ways of buying precious metals. There are numismatics, old coins minted prior to 1933 in the United States. That was money uh, prior to Roosevelt confiscating gold or, or bars and, and, and rounds made by private refiners around the world. There's a, several different ways to accumulate gold and silver. We I guess if you were to um, give it a, a specific uh, direction or, or an ideology, we try to get our clients the most amount of gold and silver uh, for the least amount of premium or the, the value above the melt value um, while, while not being penny wise and pound foolish. In other words, I'd rather see someone own 100 one ounce coins rather than a 100 ounce bar. Now you'll save a little bit of money in buying a larger piece but oftentimes the savings that you get in buying larger increments are not commensurate with the loss of flexibility. And I've often felt that whether you're playing poker with your friends, driving on a super crowded highway somewhere, uh, or investing or living life, you can never have too many outs or too many exits or too many options. So for me, to encapsulate what I would recommend to someone, it would be something from one of those six major mints in one ounce variety gold and or silver. Make it real simple. You will have immediate liquidity, sight unseen, free from any subjectivity anywhere in North America, having any of those items. So um, again, this is, is wealth that truly I hope 
all of the metal that I've accumulated in 31 years, I hope I never need to use. If I do, I'm darn glad I have it. And you know, it's not just for an emergency. It could be an opportunity, um, uh, certainly. And I do believe in the back of my mind, we will see those opportunities uh, when you see price discovery come into line a little bit easier with uh, ultra low interest rates and, and the economy the way that it is. I would argue price discovery is very challenging these days. But if not, if it is an emergency, well, I'll even be more glad that I have it. Um, if not, I give it to my children someday uh, or my grandchildren or nieces or nephews or a charity or whatever it may be. It is immutable wealth passing on to generations uh, or to uh, important people in my life or institutions that I think uh, anyone would be happy to own. So uh, kind of a tough question to answer, but that in a very short roundabout way, at least of what the industry is about and the way that I look at owning metal um, uh, is in, 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 I guess, an encapsulated view, the way that I look at things. Um, yeah, we, I had a question when we talked at, at the conference. I asked you that if you had $100,000 as an investor and, and you looked at stocks, bonds, cash, all those other asset classes, and I asked you how much you would allocate towards the metals world, uh, what was your answer? Well, the real answer would be if I told you how I really felt, I would lose my credibility and probably wouldn't be asked on your show. <laughs> but I think that you, to me, honestly, I think 20 to 25% is where I would put a starting point in these times, in that's these big, times. Yeah, and that's, that's more big. than most financial advisors will recommend. And I understand that. Yeah. And, I, I, and I am not trying to beat around the bush. I've always been very candid and very honest. And I think that um, look, we have asset classes that are at all-time highs, uh, measured against all-time lows yeah. in interest rates. And in an environment where money creation and uh, inflation, even by the, the, the standards of the CPI, which are, are, are a lie, right? the CPI, the Consumer Price Index last month told us that the rate of inflation was running 5.6% or thereabouts. But they exclude the price of housing, the cost of energy, and the cost of food. Now, evidently, the people who design the CPI don't eat, they don't drive, they don't heat or cool their home, and they don't <laughs> live in a home. They live in a tent because those things are not part of the CPI. Now, there's a guy named John Williams. John Williams uh, owns a, a company or a website called shadowstats.com, and I think everyone should check him out. All John does... Is, is cite information that comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics the way that it used to be calculated, they used to be calculated prior to 1980. In 1980, under that current administration or that administration, they changed the uh, measurements, the way that they would measure inflation and unemployment and uh, to, uh, to fit an agenda that, that would be inflationary. And so... When you exclude those items, even taking the 5.6% that they tell us, if you're making 1.3% on the treasury, 1.4% uh, on a 10-year U.S. treasury, um, you are, in essence, guaranteed to lose 4.3% uh, compounding guaranteed over 10 years. And I think that when you talk about price discovery uh, in this environment, um, the asset classes carry, in, in my mind, a, a larger amount of risk than we've seen, well, maybe in my entire career in 31 years, because 
there are a lot of things that I would like to talk about that I talked about in, in my presentation that I think will lead to that seminal moment where uh, interest rates ultimately have to rise. You know, the Fed keeps telling us that, well, and even there was rumor that they would announce today here on Wednesday, the, uh, the, the beginning of tapering, the, the slowing down of their $130 billion a month in uh, treasury purchases. And I would argue that they really can't do that, but I guess we will see when interest rates rise. And if interest rates rise, what does that do to the, to the system? Um, I think you could argue, look, look, a trillion seconds ago was 31,688 years ago. We have uh, a debt of 130 or 40 trillion by their own admission when you factor in unfunded liabilities, off balance sheet liabilities, such as Medicare and Medicaid and government and military pensions and social security. The numbers are really enormous. And this is one of the reasons why I argue they really can never let interest rates rise. But look, there were three events that happened in my career. And I, I, I often wonder where our media is, where journalistic integrity is. And when I cite these three events, and I welcome everyone to, to do their own research after listening to this to, to find out exactly what I'm talking about being real, most of the three events that I will, or of the three events that I will mention here in a moment, I would venture to say 95 or greater percent of the people listening to this show are not aware of. Um, and, and that to me is startling, um, because to me, they're the three biggest events of my career. And if, if you'll humor me, I will answer your question about where I think we are and why I think gold and silver are so imperative to someone's portfolio. So if we go back to 2017, we see a period of time where cryptocurrencies are going to the moon and the Dow Jones is blasting off and Gold and silver are languishing. We see a period of time where central banks are net sellers of gold and never really understood why the, the central banks would sell their gold. It became evident to me a few years later, which I'll touch on briefly in a moment, but it was an environment where being the owner of a gold company was um, really not so glamorous. In fact, I really rude going into the office um, because my entire career, one out of every one or 200 people that we would talk to would sell product. In 2017, it was six or seven out of 10. It represented 60 to 70% of the entire industry's volume where people selling back, capitulating and moving elsewhere. In this environment, out of nowhere, the German Bundesbank, here's the first thing people can Google, the German Bundesbank requested from the New York Federal Reserve, we want all our gold back that you've been holding since 1944, the end of the war, Bretton Woods. Very strange that they would make this announcement or this request in the face of uh, central bank selling, a price doing nothing, and asset classes other than physical commodities really doing very well. Within a few weeks of that request, many, many other central banks in Europe echoed the same request. Uh, the Bank of Turkey, the Bank of Hungary, the Dutch National Bank, the Bank of Austria, the Bank of Poland, and many others said the same thing, not just to the New York Fed, but to the Bank of England. Give us back our gold. 
that you have been sitting on for so long. Um, and this, all of a sudden, my my ears started to perk uh, perk up. What's going on here? This doesn't make sense. The the banks who have been net sellers now want all their gold sent back home. What's going on? 2018, the following year, those same central banks bought more gold as a group than they did in the previous 60 years combined. So now you have a massive rush to buy gold. And yet there's been no news to tell us what's going on. Why is this happening? Why the repatriation efforts? Why the massive accumulation efforts? 2019, the following year, those numbers are up nearly 100%. So these European central banks are voraciously accumulating gold. We see more and more banks repatriate gold. And then comes pivot point number one. To this point, the single largest event of my career, and maybe to this day here in 2021, the biggest event of my career. And that was the Bank of International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland, reclassify gold as the world's only other tier one reserve asset. Let me say that one more time. Since 1944, there's been one tier one reserve asset, US dollars and treasuries. That's it. US, uh, a tier one reserve defined as riskless, a riskless asset. So John, if you lent me a million dollars in a check and I gave you a shoebox with a million dollars and hundred dollar bills in it, it's a riskless endeavor for you. You have collateral that is riskless, that is tier one, that backs the one-to-one, the the loan that you gave me in a check or a wire I gave you in hundred dollar bills. And if I disappear, you have a million bucks. Well, the Bank of International Settlements reclassified gold as a tier one reserve, the only other one in the world, the only other one next to US dollars. So in that example, a box full of gold coins totaling a million dollars would be the same thing. So you have the most sophisticated banking group in the world, the central banker, central bank in Basel, Bank of International Settlements, reclassify gold as tier one. Massive, massive deal. And obviously, the actions of the central banks that have been front running that decision um, starting with repatriation of their gold from the from the Bank of England and the New York Fed, and massive accumulation tells me that the central bankers take care of themselves first. Um, so here we have number one, why is it that the media doesn't tell us that there is a challenger, at least to what a tier one reserve asset is to US dollars? Why don't they talk about the fact that gold is now classified on, on, on the same level as US dollars as a tier one reserve asset. Strange to me. So we keep moving forward. 2020 comes along. You have the uh, International Monetary Fund. This is a group of 195 countries from around the world that were was formulated at Bretton Woods. At the end of World War II, the Allies met in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, and they um, anointed the dollar world reserve currency, taking over for the pound sterling. And one of the things that came out of this meeting was the International Monetary Fund. Well, you have on their website, you can go to it and see they're asking for a new Bretton Woods. They want a new dollar system. Now, I didn't include this in the top three things, but you could call it 3A or 3B or number four. Why the heck do we not hear about the fact that 190 countries from around the world that comprise the International Monetary Fund are asking for a new Bretton Woods when they were formulated at Bretton Woods? In essence, they're saying the dollar system is broken. We want a new system. 2020 keeps rolling on, and we see some more things. Uh, we see a, a group of traders that emerge on the COMEX market. 
Now, I've been following the COMEX market, which is the commodity exchange. And for those of you that remember maybe my favorite movie of all time, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, all of the the movie took place on the COMEX, on the commodity exchange, where um, everything from orange juice to gold and oil and all of any commodity you can think of is traded on the, on the COMEX. Well, every week, the COMEX publishes a report showing the positioning of the largest traders on the exchange. And it's always only been um, the commercials on one end, which is JP, Goldman, City, and the specs on the other end. And the specs would be um, hedge funds, speculators. Um, in 2020, there's a group that comes out of nowhere called the Others. And these Others are believed to be sovereign wealth funds and to a lesser extent, family offices. And these Others have been draining the COMEX market of their metal over the last 18 months. Now, I'm going to, at the very end of this rambling question, uh, answer, I'm going to cite something that happened here just a few weeks ago that will uh, really put an exclamation point to what these others are all about. But these others are, are, are thought to be sovereign wealth funds and family offices, and they have been doing what no one ever did pre, uh, preceding their rise uh, to prominence on the Commitment to Traders report, uh, and that is they have been standing for delivery. The COMEX market has never, was never thought of as a delivery vehicle or mechanism, although you can do it. No one ever did it. Maybe 1% of all the contracts that were ever issued on the commodity exchange were actually delivered. The, the rest of them were cash settled. You see, the commodity exchange is used to hedge risk uh, if I have a thousand ounces of gold in my warehouse, I'll sell a thousand ounces on paper on the COMEX to offset my risk. Because if the price goes down by $10 on those thousand ounces, I'm down $10,000, but I'm up 10000 on what I sold short on the COMEX. I do that to maintain a riskless position uh, on, 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 on my inventory. So I'm not speculating. I'm, I'm hedging my risk. Well, what has happened over the last 18 months is this group, the others, has been standing for massive, massive, massive deliveries. They took off over 300 million ounces of silver last year. That's 10 years worth of deliveries and anything I'd ever seen preceding. Uh, they uh, are previous. Um, they took off more gold as a group than uh, we saw or we see the uh, Royal Bank of Japan has in their official holdings. You're talking massive amounts of gold and silver are being delivered to to the wealthiest, uh, um, most um, uh, the best informed and 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 maybe the most sophisticated private traders in the world are taking massive positions off the exchange. I would call this number five. Now I haven't even gotten to number two and three yet. But the, 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 the others draining the COMEX market, the International Monetary Fund asking for a new Bretton Woods, these are really big deals that all factor into the way that I look at the world. And no one in our media talks about this stuff. It's just crazy to me. You know, a few months ago, uh, we were talking about this group called Palantir. A lot of people were talking about them. They're a high-tech firm out of Silicon Valley who... Yeah, put, they put $50 million into gold. It was all over the place. Well, recently, uh, on August 9th, we saw one managed money trader in this other's category purchase 40,000 40, December gold contracts. 
that's that's seven billion, seven and a half billion dollars worth of gold. That has initial margin requirement of three hundred and fifty million dollars. It's one hundred and thirty times what Palantir bought one trader. It's all over the news that Palantir buys fifty million in gold, and they're made to look silly. Like, why would anyone do this? And one trader in this manage money others category is sitting on right now seven and a half billion dollars worth of gold. And if they follow suit, they will stand for delivery December first. So you see the biggest, most sophisticated, well-funded, well-informed private traders in the globe creating a whole new reality as it pertains to the COMEX. But let me go back to number two and three. Number two happens in 2020. And I guarantee you, the people listening out there, one out of 100 really know what I'm talking about when I say this, but I welcome you all to Google it. And I will tell you, it will be one of the biggest events of your children's life. And that is the Chinese Belt Road and Rail Initiative. Now, what you have in China is the largest infrastructure project in human history that has been going on now for over a year. And why no one talks about this in the Western media completely baffles me. You are seeing roads and railways, maritime channels, bridges, and a digital connection to 75% of human population. 75% of the world in human population is being connected uh, by bridges and roads and railways and a digital connection, which is very big for silver, mind you. Um, and yet it is completely being avoided by the U.S. media. The roads and the bridges and the maritime channels will be patrolled by Chinese military and only by Chinese military or commerce, trucks and boats and, and railway uh, rail cars that carry goods to all corners of um, uh, Asia and Africa. Now, you're seeing uh, a lot of European countries sign on to this as well, but the United States is completely out of this deal. Now, what's so big about it? Most, if not all, of the contracts are settling in the new Chinese digital yuan. So think about this for a moment. You have 75% of human population being indoctrinated into a new currency that, that is completely usurping the U.S. dollar for settlement in anything. You already have the Chinese and the Russians agreeing to unilateral trade deals uh, in, in uh, uh, jet fuel and in oil uh, using um, the, uh, in many cases, the Chinese um, petro-yuan bond. Now, what is the Chinese petro-yuan bond? This is a bond that um, the Chinese use to buy oil from countries like uh, Iran and natural gas from Russia, and they pay for it in a bond denominated in yuan. Why would those other countries want that bond? Because it is immediately convertible into gold off the Shanghai Gold Exchange. And this is why the Shanghai Gold Exchange, which has been operable for about a decade now, has delivered over the last few years over 90 times, nine zero times the amount of gold that the price setting mechanism of the world, the COMEX, has. Why? Because it usurps the dollar for settlement in energy. You have a concerted effort by a large portion of the world to find an alternative to the US dollar. And when they find the ability to do it in terms of energy, it gets me very nervous, which brings me to the biggest event, number three. And that just happened right when I was out there visiting you in Arizona. And this is, I think, maybe the biggest event period for all of our lives. And yet, 
not you get crickets when you when I talk about this. Google it and you'll see it's real. Um, the day we left Afghanistan, rather unharmonious. Yeah, I read about that. You told us this is, right. this is interesting. Yeah. So what happened? What has enabled the dollar? So let, let me just regress for a second. Um, the dollar from 1944 Bretton Woods was the world reserve currency because it was backed by gold. And the arrangement that the allies agreed to was that the U.S. would peg their dollar to gold and that all of the other countries would peg their currencies to the dollar with those dollars being redeemable for gold. Now, this was a period of time, 11 years earlier, Roosevelt had confiscated gold. The American populace couldn't own gold, but if you were a central bank, you could trade in the dollars that you owned for gold to the treasury window. Towards the end of the Vietnam War, de Gaulle from Russia realized that we were printing more treasuries and, and dollars than we had gold behind it at Fort Knox. So he started sending battleships over to New York Harbor filled with dollar bills to trade in for gold. And over half of the gold held in, in the treasury was drained. So Nixon, 50 years ago, this last August, just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, um, closed the gold window. It was supposed to be temporary, but it's been closed ever since. And what that did at that point in August of 1971 is render the dollar fiat, nothing behind it any longer. Three years later, Henry Kissinger flew to Saudi Arabia and struck a deal with the Saudi kingdom. And he said, we will protect you. We'll give you military support. We got your back and we'll even sell you weaponry. But for that privilege, you're going to denominate oil in dollars globally. Whenever OPEC sells oil, you will denominate it in dollars. And since 1974, what has given the dollar its world reserve status is not being backed by gold because that, that ship sailed 50 years ago. But what it has been the dollar's um, uh, world reserve platform has been the petrodollar status, whereby we protect the Saudi kingdom, OPEC values oil in dollars only. So we leave Afghanistan, leaving Americans behind who are still there today, mind you. There's a whole bunch of Americans still behind enemy lines with their biometrics given to the Taliban, uh, and we left. And that's not what America does. I always thought no man left behind yeah, is what I always thought. Yeah, they were so great. I think there's no coincidence to this announcement, the timing of it. What happened the next day? Uh, Saudi Arabia announces a joint military cooperation agreement with Russia. Let me just say that one more time so it sinks in. Saudi Arabia, a country that has given us the world reserve status for the last almost 50 years because we protect them, has announced a joint military cooperation agreement with Russia. Now, the next day, Russia announces the exact same thing with Nigeria. These are the two biggest OPEC producing countries on the planet, the two biggest oil producing countries that are now striking a joint military cooperation agreement with Russia. So and you could Google this, right? 100%. Just Google, um, just Google uh, uh, Saudi Arabia military cooperation agreement with Russia and it will pop right up. And, and so not only that, um, the day after that, you can Google this too. It was a zero hedge article. Russia announces that they have outfitted all of their nuclear battleships or nuclear submarines and uh, naval battleships with hypersonic ICBM missiles. Now, recently, North Korea fired one of these and so did China. Uh, Russia already has the technology. The zero hedge article went on to say that the US is three to four years behind 
these yeah, that countries. was in the news the other day not to interrupt you that was in the news the other day that yes i think they're concerned at the pentagon that uh that uh, they they we're, we're like behind the eight ball. That's President right. Andy, I don't mean you could cut you short. This has all been fascinating. You know, maybe what we'll do is have you come back for for another visit because this is interesting data. I think the bottom line to your conversation is things are changing behind the scenes, and we as investors, um, people need to understand and, and and start digging deeper in what's really going on to protect their wealth potentially as we talked about moving it because we you know we do generational transfers as you know as, as a family office so that that's a concern of our clients how do I protect and preserve the wealth I have and that's really where that gold and silver conversation started with us and you to help our families understand that these this asset class is now because of some of these global issues might be a very very important asset class to have as part of your portfolio to hedge whatever might be coming. And, and listen, I, agree. I, you know, the, I mean, I guess people should do their own research. You, you talked about a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things. And I, I'll tell everybody in the audience, you know, don't listen to Andy, don't listen to us, do your research and, and do your analysis yourself. But I, but I think things are changing. And I think as investors and as families, we need, you know, we need to pay attention. Yeah, I, I think so. Because you know what? The worst thing in the world that could happen is we wake up to find oil no longer denominated solely in dollars. And uh, if that happens, uh, I think a lot of the things that that what it appears the biggest money in the world has been preparing for comes to fruition. And 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 that is the dollar losing its singular world reserve status. And, and that is something that is far-fetched as a lot of people think it may be. The positioning of the biggest money in the world says otherwise. And um, and I'm sure you have people disagreeing with you. I mean, I, I had a couple of conversations with some of the families at the conference and they, and they, they, they said, you know, I got to do my research because a lot of the stuff that Andy talked about is a little, a little, I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. I mean, if that's possibly happening, I, I maybe need to dig deep, a little deeper, but I, but I think people need to be aware of what's going on around us each and every day. Andy, listen, I, I'd love to have you back. Um, I thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure spending time with our conference and most certainly today. Um, I hope you agree to come back at another um, another podcast and maybe dig deep into some of the other pieces of uh, of, of your of your world around around Andy. How I call it, Michael. You have any thoughts? No, this has been great, Andy. Thanks so much for your time and um, and sort of enlightening everybody here today. Thanks. Absolutely. I'd like to leave you with one last thought, and that is that you know I will. Any, any of your listeners that uh, are interested in acquiring precious metals understand that I will um, move heaven and earth to make sure that they get the very best price in the United States on anything that they want to buy from probably the only major company in the country that is licensed and bonded. So it'll be a safe transaction and we'll get them the best price in the country. And I, I do very much appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and your listeners. Andy, before we uh, get going, one last final question. If, if people are interested in taking you up on that offer, how do they contact you? I'd want them to contact me personally, uh, not my company, but me personally at Andy at Miles Franklin, Andy at milesfranklin.com. Um, and just put in the, in the subject line, Copper Beach. I will make sure that uh, they get the very, very best price in the United States, period, and uh, and my personal service and attention on anything that we we do so that uh, I know that it's coming from your folks. Just put Copper Beach in the subject line, send me an email at Andy at Miles Franklin, and 
I will make it my Perfect. priority to uh, take good care of all, all of your listeners. Awesome. Thank you. This has been fantastic. Andy, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I am already on Google. As you were talking, I'm just kind of looking at some of these things, and it's very, very eye-opening. So thank you for sharing that, of course. Uh, John and Michael, thank you so much for bringing Andy on. And our last thank you is always reserved for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you want to start an interesting and good discussion, share this, one, share this one with them. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. American Portfolios and Copper Beach are not affiliated with any other named business entities mentioned and they are unaffiliated entities of each other.